After you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real-life friends and podcasting virtuosos, Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents. If you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I pet when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the pod cabin. I think that is the name I'm going to go with for this studio with producer Tony Thaxton. Still, we don't have a nickname for him. Hello. But it seems like you have a name for the studio now, and you. but then every time it's said... I it's question said, it? Yes. So I, don't, I, can't, I can't tell where your what commitment if is. My, what if my crutch is constantly naming the studio and constantly coming up with a nickname for you? What if we settle on a name for the studio, settle on a nickname for you, and then I die the next day because my work is done? I mean, will you die happy? That's what matters, right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, happier regarding the issue of names, but I mm-hmm. don't know that I don't know that I would feel satisfied in terms of like, oh, my purpose has been fulfilled. Uh, I mean, I'm a little offended by that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what if it's a nickname you hate, though? What if it's Tone Zone? Well, this isn't about my happiness. This is about your happiness. <laughs> right. Right. What if we find the nickname that you love and then you die the next day? Look, this is my understanding of how it works. <laughs> Let's bring in our guest or at least introduce her because she's sitting here. It's Erin Gibson. I love her. She is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Throwing Shade. Throwing Shade now has like a spinoff podcast called Groceries, dealing with a topic near and dear to my heart. Grocery stores is where my husband and I fall in love all over again it's like the only place we go pretty much and now we don't even go we just do delivery she also has a new podcast called history the sequel and she's doing something in santa fe that we'll get into hello welcome hi i do like the tone zone it's super fun to say i know i really like i don't hate it it's fine. Yes. I just, like, when do you, my whole thing is like, it feels weird to be like, yeah, that's my nickname. So I'm just kind of like, what, what do I really do? But you could just try it on for like six months and then, then something <laughs> else could come along, you know? We did try it on, or I kept using it for like the duration of one show. And it just, it rolls off the tongue well. It's fun to say. I don't think Tone Zone loved it. But then Arden Marine recommended Beast, and that really had legs for one show. <laughs> They each last about one show. And then what's our other one? Oh, Tony doesn't wear a bathrobe except for when he's in Japan, as one does. <laughs> so when Wendy, who comes on the Thursday show a lot, um, she really wants him to be no-robe Tony. Oh, I really like that, too. <laughs> Interesting. But you, but there's a lot of backstory with that. Yeah, Tone that's zone, the you're thing just with like, I one. got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then... 
Daniel, my husband introduced him as, oh, this has, that hasn't, it will have aired by the time this, when this airs. Um, so he writes intro. So the Thursday show is like the panel version yes. of this show that comes out on Thursdays. He writes intros for that, for that show. And he referred to Tony as right wing Tony. And this had made some, some reference to the facts because his last name is Thaxton. The facts don't care about your feelings, which is like a real right-wing talking point. And it's Ben Shapiro's pin tweet. The, the facts don't care about your feelings. And that like... But the association is... There's a lot of, a lot of exposition <laughs> yeah, that like has that, to happen for that, that one. That one didn't even need to come back up, you know? I think we could have just moved <laughs> I know. on from that one. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I don't even know why I felt the need to bring it up. I, I don't guess know. I have unfinished business regarding it. I mean, that's just, fair. I mean, we we have her here today solely to talk nicknames the whole time. Yeah. Right? I'll, okay. nicknames I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. So catch us up. Um, okay. What's been going on with your dad? What's been going on in Santa Fe? Well, you know, it's funny. I haven't really talked a lot about this particularly on the podcast because a lot of the stuff that happened, um, I, we had guest hosts. It wasn't mm-hmm. even around to even talk about it. So um, I'll kind of give the Cliff Notes version, a thing that doesn't exist anymore. But I, I but had you know. so many Cliff Notes. Oh, I had like a library of it's them. It's cheating that you per- purchased. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Legitimately at a Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Um, my dad got really sick in November of last year. And then um, I went on book tour and then I came back to Houston and he almost died in front of me. Oh, my God. At a doctor's visit. And thankfully, we were next door to the emergency room, so he was able to get... He basically had a tumor in his throat that was misdiagnosed by a couple doctors as COPD, which is a lung disorder. And nobody did any scan of his throat to see that he was had a tumor blocking 90% of his Jeez. windpipe. Couldn't get food down and couldn't get air. So the tumor at some point like got dislodged or something and blocked his entire windpipe and then so he came out of a bathroom and he was like suffocating and i mean i i truly like got him to the emergency we got him to the emergency room and nurse put him in a chair and she ran him over he was dying he's losing oxygen Mm. they intubated him and then i just like started scream crying in a va hospital which nobody reacts there because it's military and Mm. everyone's like we don't talk about our problems, which is a whole nother thing compounding the reason he didn't even go to the hospital or a doctor in the first place. But he was in the hospital for like five months. And then I've never told this story on the podcast. So my friend, I was in Houston living with my sister, which was interesting. And um, that's what I, that's what I'll say about that. And then um, my friend Bella, who lives in Austin, she was like, why don't you come up for like a couple of days, take a break, and then you can come see my friend who's a witch. <laughs> I go, I'm like, okay. So I drive up to Austin. I go see this woman, Sister Temperance, and oh, she's we're in her much like the pod cabin. The pod cabin. She has an airstream in her backyard that's just fully Stevie Nicks out. Oh wow! And she's like, "What do you want to know?" And I was like, "I need to know what to do about my dad because I can't let him stay in Houston. He's not being my sister's not able to for some reason." be involved in his life Mm. and lacks some level of empathy when it comes to understanding what a 74 year old man is capable of doing in a large city Mm -hmm. on the highway taking care of himself etc so i knew if i was if i left him in houston he'd probably die and uh i needed i needed a real interesting solution and she said i don't know what to tell you except whatever you do 
it better be something that you also get something out of because if you put him in a assisted living facility and you're paying $5,000 a month, which I can't technically do, um, you're going to resent him. And the other option is if you put him in an assisted living facility that's paid by Medicaid, it's going to be bad. And uh, I mean, I'm sure people have heard horror stories about low-end assisted living facilities, but they're not nice places. We don't really respect the elderly in this country. So um, I was like, okay. So then I got my friend Bella picked me up. I was crying the whole time for a full hour. I have the whole thing on. She was like, you should record this. And then I regretted it because I started listening to it again the other day. And I'm like, this is so, this is the most triggering thing I have on my phone. Mm. Um, Bella said you should record it or temperance? Temperance. Sister temperance. So I remember everything. She also <laughs> gave me homework, which I didn't do. I promised her I'd do it. And I was like, I'm busy. What did she look like? She, she's amazing looking. Okay. So she has massive eyes huge eyes and she looks right at you. Mm-hmm. She has charisma for days. She makes puppets. She's from New Orleans. Oh my she God. makes puppets. She's like makes these crazy amazing headdresses and she's just a she's an artist and a witch and a psychic and she's doing everything like check 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 check. Like she's I love her. She's Does she drive a car? Does she use email? Yes, yes. Wow, she's a and modern she's a, witch. She's on Instagram. You can you can follow her. I need to follow her. Well, the other weird thing was, so I tell... Okay, so hold on. There's two facets to this. So I tell Bella, I say, this is what she said to do. And she goes, I, Bella said, I think you should go to Santa Fe. I think it's starting to become like kind of hip and stuff because of Meow Wolf, which is this like interactive art scene there. There's a lot of people moving there. And it's a very healing place. I'd never been to Santa Fe. I had no desire to go. I didn't... Who like tur- you didn't need healing? I was like, who cares? I got California, <laughs> baby. So then I came back from. Okay, so then I call my husband and I'm like, hey, I just saw this witch. Here's what she thinks we should do. <laughs> and then Bella said we should go to Santa Fe and check it out and see if we can figure out something there. And then he said, what was the witch's name? And I said, Sister Temperance. And he goes, that's my college girlfriend's best friend. Wait, he knows this witch. Yes. Oh my god, what a that's <laughs> insane. I know. I know. That's insane. Is it? Is it that there's so few witches? <laughs> well, she happened to be... Well, I don't know. That's just crazy. I don't... Oh, yeah. well, there's others, this other thing in New Mexico that people call New Mexico coincidences. So once you start putting New Mexico in your life, mm-hmm. these things start to happen. Yeah. And I can't explain them, but they're, it's, pretty, it's really cool. It's like you're... If you're meant to be there, it starts like communicating with you in a way where it shows you like the connections of the universe that sounds insane, no but that's okay. crazy that you say that because my husband believes that about coincidences because i always was just like crazy coincidences aren't they crazy but he and his mom is a little sister temperancy he believes that when coincidences start popping up that means that like you're in the right pocket of life yes well he okay has his mom been to New- to santa fe I don't know. She probably would, she lives in Arizona. Oh, she's she's okay. So she's a desert. She's a desert witch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a whole nother thing where I was like, oh, your ex girlfriend who is also a puppeteer in New Orleans and oh. amazing and yeah, they're best friends. Which was I think good that well, who knows if it was good that she didn't know that while I was right. there. But I'm she seemed pretty impartial. She's, yeah. Yeah. She just wants to help. So she got that started. I had Four days off from the book tour. I came back to LA. We got in the car. We drove to Santa Fe. I found a real estate agent on Instagram. I said, here's what I need. I need a property where I can 
I can have two small apartments for my parents. And I'll tell you who the other parent is in a second. And then I need a rental property or two to offset the cost. Because I can't just buy people houses Mm -hmm. and that's it. I just can't do that. So we saw the first place we saw was the place that we bought. Wow. And we signed the paper. We put in the offer during Mercury Retrograde. It was a nightmare. And it was a true nightmare. I've never been through anything so stressful in my life. My dad was going through chemo and radiation in Houston. I told him that we had put this offer in on this house. They accepted the offer. Everything was great. Then in March, that was in November. And then in March, they there was all kinds of problems. It was Mercury retrograde again. And How frequently does Mercury go it's like into retrograde? three or four times okay. a year. And it's and I didn't believe in it. And now I do. Now I absolutely do. So the, the long story short, I went to go see my dad a week before he was supposed to get out of the hospital. And he, I, he's like, I can't wait to move into the house. He had a garden planned. He had all this stuff. Well, oh. we hadn't, the loan hadn't been approved. Right. And we were, right, we had two days left before we lost the house. Mm. And we technically did lose the house. So I had to lie to my dad for like a week and a half and tell him that everything was fine. And meanwhile, I was sh- literally shitting my pants. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm saying I literally shit my pants because I was so stressed out. Where from, were you when that happened? That was in Santa Fe. No, because, no. I mean, where where did you literally shit your pants? In in Santa Fe oh, at dinner. Okay. <laughs> so you were not like a lot. Yeah. Not like a lot, but no, like but enough where I was a, like, even a little is <laughs> yeah, a lot. There's no good amount. Yeah. My, it just, my bowels gave up. Yeah. It was awful. So were we, you? Because we moved, we had my dad's stuff in, from Houston. We, we had planned to go to my dad's apartment, load everything up into a U-Haul, drive to Austin, go thrift shopping because we had a whole house to furnish. My dad had nothing. And then go to Dallas, same thing. And then go to Santa Fe, unload everything into the house, go back to LA. I was going to fly to Houston, drive my dad and his mm. car back up to Santa Fe. This was supposed to be this the month of March. Well, we drove, drove to Santa Fe thinking we were going to get keys to this house and we didn't have any. So my husband and I just crying, mm. load everything of my dad into a storage facility Go check into a hotel. He's screaming at the loan guy. The loan guy's like, I don't understand. This has never happened before. This is all Mercury retrograde shit. And then three hours before we're supposed to get on the flight, the title company calls and says, the loan's been approved. We need you to come sign the paperwork. So we literally got in an Uber, told him to drive as fast as possible, went to the, the title company, signed everything, had an Uber waiting outside, got in with our paperwork, got on a plane and flew back home. And that was the only reason we got the houses because our because we had we we had like three hours before our flight and it just happened to start everything started like stopped happening right. essentially. What would have happened was was the escrow period going to run out mm-hmm. and you would have to def- like not had the loan contingency or whatever. We would have lost our the de- the deposit. The escrow, the escrow yeah. would have been gone, oh so that God. would have been like I think ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and. Which we couldn't, we did not, we couldn't afford to, we were doing this all by ourselves. Right. And so nobody in our family was helping. Well, that's not true. Ollie's brother did help. It was really sweet of him. And it's not even, well, he's not related to anyone in the situation except for my husband, but mm. he, he's so sweet and like a normal person. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were doing it all ourselves. And honestly, like without, you should not purchase property without having thought it through. 
but we were we were just playing really fast and loose because my dad was living in a second story apartment in a mold infested building. He refused to take any help from me. I offered him several times. Can I please help you pay for a better apartment? He turned me down. He was not able to walk upstairs. He had nowhere to live. My sister refused to let him live with her. Is there no stepmom in the picture? Uh Uh-uh. No. So he's just single. Single. Now, on my husband's side, his mom had been living in Connecticut with my husband's sister. They got in a huge thing. She was living in a gray garden-style mansion with a guy named Jimmy Cheesecake. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that could be Tony's nickname. Yeah, Yeah, Tony Cheesecake. Tony Cheesecake. Oh, it's good for this show at the very least, Tony (laughs) Tony Cheesecake. That's who you are. Wait, why is that his name? Because my brother... Uh, sorry, my well, my brother-in-law, my brother, uh, Ale's brother, Mickey, his Down syndrome, and he has like nicknames for everybody. So one year for Mickey's birthday, Jimmy gave him a cheesecake. Oh. So we started calling him Jimmy Cheesecake. I, I don't know what his real name is because <laughs> everyone calls him Jimmy Cheesecake. Wait, is his first name even Jimmy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's the only. That's the only thing that I know for sure. Right. Right. So she was living in this th- place in the Hamptons that was like falling apart, and. With this guy named Jimmy Cheesecake, and that was unsustainable. It was temporary, and I don't know what happened with her and her daughter, but it wasn't good. So we had basically two homeless parents, and Ollie wanted to bring his mom here to L.A. I was like, under no circumstances, because A, it's going to be way too too expensive. Anything we find for her is going to be upstairs with no parking. Yeah. And my dad, I don't know where my dad's going to go, but he has to be somewhere close by. So that's when... So then Santa Fe just kind of fixed everything. It fixed everything. We had a, the house that we bought was built in two phases, one one section in the eighties and one in the nineties. So we were able to basically take a doorway and put a wall and then it was two exactly the same square foot, one bedroom apartments. It's amazing. We had to build my mother-in-law kitchen, but that's all done. And they have like everything they need. And it is wonderful out there. It is the most stressful thing I've ever done because we turned the mother-in-law unit into a, into a rental, but we did it and it was really hard and it was really fun. It wasn't fun like our place here in LA. Our place here in LA is stressful, mm-hmm. but there, even there was problems and we had like a plumber who didn't show up and kept lying to me about his family and stuff. Took a lot of money and then didn't show up for several weeks. Until I called him and like basically was like, you will come do this work or I will come after you with every fucking ounce of my being. And I, you don't know who I am, but I will ruin you. And he was like, <laughs> okay. Um, but despite all that, it was exactly what Sister Temperance said. It was been, it's been really good for me. And it is full of feminine energy out there. There are so many old lesbians. There are so many single women who are just out there and they're not looking, they're just looking to like, be left alone Mm -hmm. and just live their lives and do art. The art out there is the most incredible art I've ever seen in my life. So full of like just emotional layers and color and it's just exciting. There's it's just everything's very exciting and pure and thoughtful. And I would say this Portland was my favorite city outside of LA Mm -hmm. before this, but Portland lacks a little bit of like edge. Like they don't, I noticed that like if you go to Portland and you say it like a dark joke, sometimes they'll be like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> but in Santa Fe, they're like there for it and they really? will jump on. And it's just like it's a it's a dark, light, everything place. That makes me want to go there. It's really – and the, you there's like zero light pollution. 
you can see every single star in the sky at night. I have so many questions. Okay, please but, tell me. But first, yeah. I need to talk about ancestry. Have you done ancestry? Have you done a DNA test? My aunt has. My aunt who hates me, she, she's done it. Oh. Yeah, we're Welsh, I guess, not Irish. Mm. Well, I've never done one. Uh, my dog has, not through ancestry. But <laughs> So I know a lot about her. She's 0.6% wolfiness. But I don't know anything about me, really, other than like the sort of myths and stuff my parents have said where I'm always like, I don't, is that true? I don't know. You guys have a um, ever-evolving relationship with the truth. So I was super excited to send in my uh, Ancestry DNA kit, and I'm awaiting the results right now. But I can't wait. Ancestry DNA gives you so much more than just the places you're from. Ancestry connects you to the places in the world where your story started using precise geographic detail and clear-cut historical insights. You can even trace your ancestors' journeys over time, following how and why your family moved from place to place. Uh, and Ancestry's unique features and record collections can give a more complete picture of people from your past, like the events that shaped them, how they made a living, even how long they attended school. That's crazy. I'm super excited. It's super easy to get started. Uh, and then also there's like a messaging service through there if you can opt in, you know, if you want to find your secret brothers and sisters. That's right. Uh, go to ancestry.com slash podcast today for 20% off your ancestry DNA kit. That's ancestry.com slash podcast for 20% off your ancestry DNA kit. Ancestry.com slash podcast. Okay. So, all right. So let me just get the lay of the land here. So your dad is living in one of the apartments. Mm -hmm. Your mother-in-law is living in another one of the apartments. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, Casa Strega. Casa Strega, which house? Oh, love in it. Italian, yeah. yeah. Um, is going to be a rental. So when you, it's already renting. It, really, it's all done. Look at that. How did it, you go about? It getting... rented twenty minutes after we posted it. Where did you post it? Airbnb. Wow. And do you have like a long term rental? Uh, nope. Just it's just all so... Airbnb oh, because yeah. we because we want to because we need to. It's for us That's, to stay when we go out. That there. well, that was my question: mm -hmm. is where do you stay when you go out? Okay, so and, there you in go. that one. And then there's a pottery studio that we're turning into another rental. That's called um, Studio Salito. Mm. Which means little sky. And so that's all going to be natural neutrals, like blues and greens and like all desert colors in there. Um, did you always have an interest in design? Because I love looking at your pictures. I love that you have metamorphosized style-wise a bit. Oh, it's I'm totally different. I feel totally different. <laughs> I used to be really scared to wear what I want and to like do what I want. And I don't feel like that anymore. Because I, of Santa think Fe? Yeah, and because I saw my dad die, basically. I was I saw him dying. I mean, I was in the hospital. I was living in a hospital for yeah. like three months. And then I just was like, fuck, if my dad gets better, like I'm not living my life anymore like I was before. I just can't. I mean, I hate that it took that, but it really did. So and the and so I go thrift shopping a lot out there. The the <laughs> the accessories and the clothes are just so I bought a last week I bought a frayed bottom full length white robe from the 80s that's to be that's basically from a mother of the bride store wow. that closed in like 1986 had the original tags on it it is stevie nicks mother <laughs> of the bride and i just i'm like yes i like this i'm buying it so i'm trying to figure out right now what how to wear it but it's gonna you're gonna see that soon i, I just can't wait do i just do whatever i want can you to a degree talk a bit more about what you were like before you saw your dad, before you had this epiphany. Okay. I'm going to tell you something that's really actually hard to admit, but my dad 
I was matching my how my dad cared about himself. I would match that. So he didn't want to go to the doctor. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to make you. He didn't care about moving out of Texas. I was like, okay, I'm going to stop asking you if you need my help. I know I shouldn't do this, but I do blame myself for not being a little more aware of my dad's psycho- psychology mm-hmm. and understanding that he was basically abandoned as a kid and didn't have parents. He had parents, but like he was raised by a military academy. And so he's he's better when you tell him what to do. Mm. And that's what I mean by I don't think my sister's able to recognize that. And that's not that's not a dig on her. It's a very difficult thing to realize that you have to be I kept calling it you're the parent now dog. (laughs) But like I had to tell him what to do. And I had to say, I didn't ask him if he wanted to move to Santa Fe. I said, you are moving to Santa Mm -hmm. Fe. I'm moving you to Santa Fe. And he was so relieved. And the first day I brought him there, we drove for two days. The day I brought him there, he said, you know, I was too afraid to do this for myself. And we have a really good relationship now. It's really nice. He used to never call me. We talk once or twice a week now. And he has purpose again. And it's really just because I just got really bossy. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I'm not going to let you do this to yourself because I love you and I don't want you to do this. And I I feel like it's been really healing for me as a daughter, as an adult daughter to just take control. Now, listen, I don't have kids. You know, I mean, my husband's brother lives with us, but he's not like, he's not like having a toddler. Like mm-hmm. I don't have, my time isn't like, split in that way. So I can give this to my dad. This is energy I would be putting into like, you know, raising kids that I don't want. So (laughs) now I'm giving it to my dad and my mother-in-law and it's really fulfilling and I really like it. I used to feel, and this is what happened when my dad first got sick. I, I secretly wished he would die Hmm. because I, I did not understand how to deal with the amount of responsibility that I knew was coming. Right. That was, that's so cowardly and so easy to want that. And my friend, one of my honest, it's, it was really like, I was just like, it would be so much easier if he would just die in the hospital. It's embarrassing to say, and I'm, and I'm sure I'm not alone with people who've been through this situation. You yeah, just, no, I think it's, I think it's help. There's someone out there who just felt a wave of relief hearing you say that because they probably feel the same thing and feel guilty. Oh, it's, and it's an awful thing to think, but yeah. it's kind of, but then you're like, I don't have to worry about this thing anymore. But because I, w- I, ref- I kind of refused to let the, what I thought I should have done with him dictate what I wanted to do with him. Now he has a really great life. Now I'm really lucky. Like I have a flexible schedule. I could do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I worked from the hospital. I finished a project in the hospital. Like I was able to do that. I know that's not everybody's option, but if it is your option, um, I would just say we have a really fucked up relationship with elderly people in this country. Mm -hmm. They're thrown away essentially and if you, even if you have a contentious relationship with someone in your family, now, if you have someone who like has abused you and been like a piece of shit to you, like they don't deserve your time. But if you have parents who've been damaged by their parents and maybe don't have the skills to recognize that in themselves and help themselves heal, you can help your parents do that. So how did you realize that? Because I think that we hear a lot of stuff in this culture about like, you can't help someone who doesn't want help, you know, to try to fix someone is codependent, da, da, da. And yet it seems like the role you took with your dad is exactly what you both needed. Mm-hmm. How did you realize that? I don't know. I think it just was an accident. I mean, 
I'm starting to see him a little bit slip into like who he used to be. And I'm just checking him at all times. I'm just like, hey, listen, you almost died. So like, let's not go and buy an industrial size box of Twinkies, huh? <laughs> and if you do do this again, I'm taking your money away. Mm. Like, I'm just the parent. Right. And he's, he, he trusts me now. And he knows that I'm going to do something good for him because I've proven to him that I can do that. And mm. I've proven to him that I mean it. Empty promise. I mean, I feel like it's almost like, I don't know what I've heard about raising kids. Like you can threaten all this stuff or you can promise all this stuff, but until you actually do it, there's no trust built there right. with your kids. So like you have to do the same thing with your parent. And I just started applying basically nurturing techniques to my dad. And what was your relationship like with him before? Just non-existent. My dad- Was he around when you were growing up? Physically, yeah, but like checked out, mm -hmm. very checked out. And then when he was checked in, he was like very angry. My parents were victims of the trickle-down Reaganomics, and we moved a lot because my parents didn't have jobs. We were very poor. We were very poor. And that stress was... I, I I blame that stress and that situation on the reason that my sister and I don't have a good relationship because we would fight all the time because our parents were mad at us because mm -hmm. our parents were stressed out about whether or not we could have, you know, new clothes or something other than breakfast for dinner. I get that. I understand all of that. But I don't blame them for that behavior. And that's all over now. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to worry about my parents being in that scenario anymore or us being in the scenario i mean it could happen i'm scared of it every day but i've gotten my we've i've gotten myself out of it before i could do it again so there's that kind of power and then also like i don't know i just i feel i have i don't have anger towards my parents and when they do something shitty i just have sympathy my mom doesn't is not talking to me right now why because of my book she took uh, my book very personally. And I should have mentioned your book at the top. Oh, that's go, okay. Go out and read the book that is uh, causing Aaron's mom not to be talking. <laughs> I love, I loved the book because I wasn't mentioned in it. <laughs> Feminasty. It's so good. Thank you. It's like chock full of information, reads like a memoir, really just amazing book. It's all just basically like, hey, here's how I grew up. This is why I think this way. This is why I believe abortion should be e easy to get. And I think she took it super personally. And also, I don't, People don't talk about this stuff very honestly. I mean, I think people in LA do because everyone's in therapy, but in general, people don't aren't very honest about these things. And so I think it embarrassed her that she, maybe one of her friends might read the book and mm. know that we were poor or know that my mom like worked at a pet store when when we were kids or whatever. I'm not, I don't, none of that stuff embarrasses me. So that's, that's her. Like when she, and she said a lot of nasty things to me. She told me never to call her husband never to call the house again. It was, she was just like, she hurt people, hurt people kind yeah. of thing. And I, it was really upsetting to hear. And then I just thought she's got, this book triggered her. It triggered a lot of stuff that she doesn't want to think about. And when she feels like up to talking to me again, I will let her know that in a very calm and caring way. Let her know what? That she needs to go deal with her stuff. And that's, that ain't, it's not, it's, it's actually not the book. Right. I didn't write the book with one mean, malicious bone about my family. And if you read the the um, acknowledgments in the back, it's very loving, especially towards her. She's got the longest segment and the whole thank you. Were you surprised at her reaction? Mm -hmm. I so was you really didn't shocked. See it coming at all. Uh uh. So how did it uh, f 
unfold. She texted me and said, I can't believe this is the way you really feel about me. And it was after the book was published? Or did mm-hmm. she see an advanced copy? No, it was after the, it was published. And she'd given it to a couple friends. And One of the things she took exception to is that, or with, I don't know what the correct... I don't know what the correct grammar is. is. I yeah. think, I think to, we get where you're coming okay. from. Okay. <laughs> one, you of the, one of her beefs. One of her beefs was <laughs> that, and it was really about my dad. So my dad's 17 years older than my mom, and he married my mom when she was in high school. Mm. And that's fucked up. And I told them, and basically I just acknowledged it in the book, and my dad wrote the book and he wasn't offended by it. He was like, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. That wasn't cool, you know? She, my dad was a photographer and he had taken some photos of her when she was like, I I hope she was 17. I don't know. But I found photos of her possibly topless. I don't know. But it was just a boa mm-hmm. around her shoulders. <laughs> and then, you know, looked like she was in nude. a nude situation. She was like, I never took those photos. But the photos are in my basement. Right. Here. I have the photos. She has not. She has processed this as it never happened. So interesting. It's people who've experienced like a lot of trauma are just experts at that. No, it never happened. Right. Here's the receipts. That's fake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I just wait till my ancestry DNA kit comes in (laughs) and it turns out that who knows who I am. That's the receipts (laughs) right there. You have so much ammo. (laughs) I know. Um, It's just been really, it's just been a lot of like, I don't think I ever like, I think I had just very superficial relationships with my parents. And because of these two things, like I've had to just be the adult mm-hmm. and just try to be the person who's like, hey, let's calm down and think about this for a second. Like, do you really think I hate you? Did you try to talk to your mom? She wouldn't let me. And then when my dad got sick, she uh, tried so to th- divorce. When did they divorce? When I was in college. Okay. So they've been divorced for longer a while. Than yeah. There, yeah. So they, so she, I mean, it was just like, my mom was like, everything was on her terms. And I was trying, I was trying to like, you know, guide her and say like, oh, we're actually not talking right now. And this is a actually a really bad time for you to reach out. Mm. Um, Cause I don't have the bandwidth for you right now. She was like, <laughs> kind of wow. shocked. This was on text. Yeah. I just said, I don't have it. I don't have this to give to you. And so like, and she had reached out to, to uh, gripe. She had reached out to um, condolences about my dad. Mm. And I don't, I, I think when you're a kid of divorced parents and your parents don't talk, you should absolutely shut that shit down. I don't shut care if it's the triangulation down. You got to shut it down. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's nice or mean. Shut it the fuck down. Mm. You worried about dad? Send him an email. You send him a text. I'm not your fucking secretary. Don't put me in this. And also don't put a hat on that you care because he's sick and then take it off when he's right, not. Right. I don't, I'm not doing, I'm not involved in this. This is your thing. It's really hard to do, but I had to do it. And I didn't do it in a mean way. I was just like, that's cool. I don't want to hear about it. Go yeah. talk to your friends about how worried you are or send dad an email and he can read it when he gets up, but not me. And then my sister, so my aunt had gone on Amazon and written a zero star review <gasps> of the book. Because she was pissed. Oh my! Is this your mom's sister? Yeah, she was pissed. So she wrote a zero star review. It's the longest one on there. It's not there anymore because my sister had it reported for violation of oh community gosh. or the guidelines. Did you say was she upset with what you said about her? I about- don't even know. It was just like it oh was my so. God. 
It was so bad. It was so bad and so bananas. Also, her handle on Amazon is her first initial and last name. So I knew who it it (laughs) was. It wasn't even anonymous. (laughs) Like she wanted me to see it. Yeah. And so her name's Denise. So now I, on the show, on Throwing Shade, whenever a woman does something bad, I just say, eat shit, Denise. (laughs) (laughs) That's my tiny little like revenge. Um, but she wrote, she was just, it was scathing and it was like so much shitty stuff about my dad and what my dad did to my mom and like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Hey sister, I know all this shit. Like you, you, you're not hurting me with this. And my, but my sister was really upset because, um, she was upset because she's not used to that stuff. Like I get death threats and I get Mm. all kinds of stuff. I don't really care anymore, but my sister's not in the public public eye. And so it's not, wasn't really Although it was on my Amazon page, so it's like, it's not, I don't know. My sister got involved. That's how I found out about it. But what was, I, I actually wish my sister hadn't had it taken down because some random person commented on my aunt's review and just said, calm down, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, so I have a screen grab of that just to be like, oh, this is, yeah. it doesn't matter. It. They see it and they're like, who's this bananas person who's clearly related to me? <laughs> right. <laughs> clearly. Right. They like know a mentioning lot. stuff that's not in the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, um, I hate the movie. The help is so problematic, but it would be like, you just admitted that you ate the shit pie. Right. That's what you just did on the internet. So do you didn't hurt me have... And I have a, um, I have a, a personal reason for asking. So I'll say what that is after I ask the question. Do you have any regrets about anything involving the book? And I'm asking because I'm relating strongly to a lot of this stuff because I have gotten in trouble with people in my life for stuff I've said on the podcast, stuff that was not said out of malice. It was really just in the service of me being honest or talking about something I was going through. But it was just like, I don't, and see, I'm even like checking myself a tiny bit now because I'm like nervous about, you know, I don't want to like start anything, but it's like, I don't necessarily agree with where they're coming from, but it was so unpleasant that it made me go, I'm going to avoid this kind of situation in the future. And I would much prefer to be completely uncensored um, and I feel like there's like artistic integrity in that, but then sometimes I, is there artistic integrity or is that being irresponsible with other people's business? I'd like, where are you with all of that stuff? It's a very, I feel the exact same way as you do. I wish I could just say exactly what I wanted, even if it like admitting that I wish my dad had died. Like that's a, that's very hard to yeah admit, but it was, it's the truth. And it's what my brain, that's how my brain processed that stress. Doesn't mean I don't love my dad. I'm sure he wouldn't want to hear that, but that's the truth. And that's what a lot of people think. And it's admittedly like a cowardly thing to say. So I don't necessarily think always when you express the truth like that, that is, that's more of an indictment of how my fucked up Mm -hmm. brain works, not like how I actually feel about somebody. But with my husband, he's very sensitive about certain things that I share. So I always ask his permission if there's something I think I want to share or I will have him listen to something on the podcast before it airs. Right. Everybody else, this is the rule. If you don't want me to talk about it, don't do fucked up things. Oh my God. I love that. Is that retroactive though? Yeah. If you don't want me to talk about it, don't do that 25 years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, or I mean... But why, what's the, what, what is the, everyone's so scared of feeling shame. Exposed. And exposed. 
But if we did more of that, we could talk about everything. Yeah. Oh, but see, I am in your camp and I totally agree. It's just that uh, other generations don't necessarily or, Mm -hmm. but I, I also, to a degree, I do get the idea of like, when I'm sharing it, I'm in control. You know, I don't know. Well, okay. For example, my mom's situation, everything that I wrote in the book was not Here's this fucked up thing my mom and dad did. It was like, I saw a relationship between a grown ass man and a teenager. And that was my, that was my imprinting of relationships. So I dated old men for a long time. And I almost had an affair with this, with a teacher at my school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, my parents are 16 years apart. I say I did the same pattern of always falling for older men. I was in love with my professor. I thought it was my destiny to also marry someone like he was like 23 years older than me. But do you, I mean, they, that, is their burden. Yeah. That is their burden to, to share. I mean, and the fact that I, I broke down the whole thing, reason why I don't think that's, I think the power imbalance is so fucked mm. up in their, that situation and like teaching young women, like here's all the stuff I like. And now that I've written this thing, I see my parents, my mom's personality. I see so many facets that are just my dad. Mm. And she doesn't even realize that she was just imprinting on my dad because she was a teenager and she didn't know what she was doing my dad was emotionally stunted because he was in a military academy not allowed to express emotions and then went to war yeah so his nervousness and his fear-based stuff i don't think my mom's actually like that i think she was just mimicking my dad so you can't be a fully formed person if someone's controlling you like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a and by the way, if you're still married and that worked out for you and you feel like you've you're not like that, great. Then that doesn't apply to you. It happens in, in people with people who are the same age too, but it's especially disproportionate with the age difference and it's so common. Mm-hmm. It's so and common. And I used to think it was romantic. Oh yeah, I mean, me that too. That was my idea of romance was like, oh my God. I mean, honestly, like I was I was looking for a father figure. And the idea of an older man taking an interest in me, it was like, oh my God, like you see in me what I want someone to see in me way more than someone my own age. Well, I mean, I told my dad straight up, I was like, you understand that like I looked up to you and you didn't, you had all these interests and I, you didn't even share them with me. You didn't even, my dad was a photographer. He, he taught me like rule of thirds and stuff like that and gave me a camera, but it was not, it was like, here you go. Here's this thing. Mm -hmm. My dad is a voracious reader. Never was like, here's my favorite book. Why don't you read it? And we can talk about it. It, So they've just, they repeated the patterns of their families and their generations. My dad thought that the only way to like discipline kids was to hit them. Oh, were you hit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad and my dad was is a very big guy, and so you have all this stuff. And now we talk about it, and I'm like, that was really not cool. And he's apologized to me for things, and it's been really nice. But how could we get there if I wasn't like this thing you did was really fucked up? Mm-hmm. And he's able to, but you have to also have someone who's able to hear that stuff. Right. So I don't know. It's like the same thing about like when you're talking about things that have happened in your life that involve other people. It's still your story. It's not like you are talking about a scenario that happened to the other person right. and someone else, and then you, right. you're talking about a third hand. If everyone just, I just think if everyone could just be okay with like admitting that they're flawed mm-hmm. people and that they 
fuck up and do weird things and think bad things and think good things and are just like really complicated, then it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a somewhat new enlightened. Now I'm just totally patting us on the back. We are new and we're enlightened, you know, because I think that that there's still this old school fear based like you got to have you know, you have to have like a very polished exterior and you you need to project perfection. Boring. Yeah. Bore fucking ink. I want to be with somebody. I want to be around people who were like able to say, oh, you know what? That was not a cool thing I just said. That That's, and I want people to do that for me. I want friends who were like, actually, that's a shitty thing to say. And I can go, oh yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't know. Outside of this, outside of the cities, I don't know if there's, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can't talk to my sister like this. Mm -hmm. She'll fucking lose it. What'll happen? She will fucking flip her shit. If I was, if I was, I, I can't be honest with my family. I just can't. I can be kind and try to be truthful, but I don't talk to them like that. They can't. They're not. They're not there. My dad is. My dad was in rehab, for, so he's able to like for what alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was the first time he had a. He like disappeared one day, and no one knew where he was. And then a lady in Sonoma, Texas, called and said, "I think your dad's dying in the hotel room next to me." Oh my god! And he was. We like my sister drove up from Houston and. I flew in from LA and he was just like full leaving Las Vegas style, like drunk in a motel room. How did she get your number? My dad had an emergency. This is the problem with my dad. He's very organized. (laughs) (laughs) He's very organized. So you can go in his car and there's an emergency contact list, all the stuff. Smart. (laughs) But he can't ask for help. And that's when I started to realize like I need to be the parent because he couldn't ask for help. Even though I had offered so many times, let me move you somewhere. Let me help you figure this out. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. So we just ran away one night and couldn't quite, I think, kill himself. Mm, You think that's what he wanted to do? He it was a it was how he cried. It was a cry for help. It wasn't. He he wasn't going there to actually die. He was. He needed. That's the only language he knew. Yeah, because that's what he used to do with his parents. So now he was doing it with us. So then he went into rehab for like three months and then was stuck in Houston again. And he was there for 10 years. Now he's out. Now now he's out. I mean, 10 years, not talking, no friends, nothing. Wow. Just in an apartment with very little furniture, just watching three and a half men and (laughs) old Andy Griffith shows and writing haikus. He writes haikus. Yeah. My dad's like a really sensitive guy. But he can't, he can't, he, he's getting better, but he can't like be like, I'm scared or this makes me nervous. I've made him start using the language mm-hmm. when he's, when we're in Santa Fe. He has to tell me, he has to, I have to be like, no, what are you actually feeling? Wow. And I'll be like, um, I'm scared. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's figure out another way. And then he's relaxed, you know, it's a lot of emotional energy. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, here comes an awkward segue. <laughs> you know what is fantastic, Aaron Gibson? Oh, I have a great segue for this. Oh, you do? What yes. is it? Is it this brand? Honey, yes. Okay. 
So one of the things about my dad is he didn't have any furniture. So I had to either buy vintage stuff or go online. Well, you know, I use the discount app, honey, for everything. Honey is amazing. I love it so much. I mean, I can't tell you how much I love it. And I'm not, this is not, I mean, it is an an ad, but it's also from the heart. I can tell. I no, I've been using this for like three years. There you go. And I get mad if I'm on a browser and I don't have it loaded on there. It's a free browser extension that saves you money everywhere you shop online. So honey, this free browser extension just quietly works in the background, finding you coupon codes and other discounts across the web and applies them automatically. I love that because I used to do the thing where I'm like, there's got to be a discount. I'm going to try 15,000 of them and none of them work. Honey, saves you money when you shop. Uh, it's pretty magical. It's amazing on, on Amazon. It tells you sort of the history of the price. Like, oh, this is the price is high right now. Price is low right now. That's how I got my dad's printer. I started pricing. I said, which one do you want? And then we put it into Honey. And then it went, as soon as it dropped to the price we wanted, we bought it. Uh, the average Honey user saves about $126 per year. I feel like you can do even oh, no, I, more, way more than that. I pushed it to the max. That's right. <laughs> Listen, there's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use, installs on your computer in just two clicks, and it'll save you money so you can treat yourself to something nice. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Allison. That's joinhoney.com slash Allison. Joinhoney.com slash Allison. Yes. Well, I just want to say it's not just like stuff you buy, because I also have used it on registering web domains, buying emails. Wow. Like Every, every, anything you're doing on the internet. It's amazing. And I can't wait to do more reads and see if you can do the segues. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to outsource this because that was so good. Um, I okay. truly love it. I mean, when love- I, when I buy stuff on the phone, I'm like, no, stop, stop. <laughs> you have to go on the computer or my iPad and like buy, I have to get it through honey. Yeah. So tell me about, okay. So, so, still so much. I feel like I'm overly talking about this thing. That I, I don't want anyone to get the impression that any of this stuff, it sounds really hard and it is, but I'm having so much fun. How frequently are you out there? Well, I want to be out there all the time. Really? Yeah. I'm having a real crisis. I mean, I won't, but when I leave, I call it re-entry. And I mean, does that feel like home now? Yeah. And it's sad. It makes me sad. Mm -hmm. I have friends. I have friends there now. I have three friends. I have three <laughs> friends there now and they're great. There's just so it feels like if Wonder Woman the island that where Wonder oh, Woman yes. lives is real. Thermoscopia. Yeah. <laughs> Scarpella. Yeah. Scoliosis. What is it? Theramis I feel it's, like I feel um, like um Thermopolis. Tony, no, that's not it. Tony Cheesecake, do you know? I, I don't, but I'm trying to look it up. There's two names Them, for it. Themiscayers. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh Themisira? something. I don't know that if that's how you great. say it. I feel like I was fairly close. That was really but close. But I think we're saying it. I don't know that we're saying it right. Yeah, I, I don't know, know that when I saw pronunciation. the Gal Gadot movie. Am I saying her name right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> um, when uh, Connie Britton said it, I was like, oh, that's how you say it. But then how can you remember that? It was so fast. Yeah. yeah. That's what it feels feel like, like in Santa, Santa Fe. Effect, really. Like if, you, like you found, you found your, place I mean, there's men there, but it's, it's okay. Well, apparently the whole city is surrounded by rose quartz. I don't know if this is true or not, but it feels like that. And you are just a level of relaxed because it's, it's 7,200 feet. Mm. It's higher than Denver. 
you it's hard to get super stressed out there because you, you can't just, get enough oxygen no <laughs> no and you you think and my dreams are so real i don't understand it and i also you have, mean like they seem vivid they're very vivid and i remember them the next day and there's a bunch of dream interpreters out there also i should mention it is very much what you think in a stereotypical way like the the classes at the continuing education college have four writing classes and three of them are about writing fiction for horse horses <laughs> so like it's that you know but it's okay so i had a, i have i've been having a slew of dreams lately where my friends that i have who i know are in fights with other friends make up and they're long almost night long complicated things of how they do it and so I'm like debating whether or not I should tell them that I had this dream because mm. nobody likes it when you tell them that you had dreams about them. But these are like, I'm like, here's how you do it. Like your brain is figuring it out for them. Yeah. And it's all fixing. It's all, it's not fixing stuff. It's healing. It's like, no, you can't have this rift. This rift is not good. It's bothering you too much. And I, and I know it and you got to fix it. Right. My dream told me you had to fix it. It's, I some yeah, it's pretty amazing when you have a dream when you wake up and you're like, that wasn't nonsense. Like my brain, that was I actually realized something. Mine is never like as uh, noble as yours. I, I don't Mine feel, is, but here they don't have them. Yeah, it's not the Interesting. same. So, okay, um, you were saying we got to talk about vitamins because first, but then I want to know you were saying that you're having a bit of a crisis, like career wise, and just figuring out where you belong. But do you have something to say about ritual vitamins? Uh, yeah, I use them. There, and I use them because my period coach was concerned about my periods being very irregular. You have and, a period coach? Yeah. Like an app or like a mm -mm, human? Human being. I didn't know that. Here in LA. There are works, period coaches. Oh, she's amazing. She'll assess your whole period. And one of the things she did was she put me on ritual. Look at that. Aaron, I'm here for you. <laughs> you are amazing. And I love them because they don't, I hate vitamins, yeah. but they put peppermint in them. Mm -hmm. And so they taste really yeah, good. And when they smell good. Yeah. And yeah, you don't have that sort of like, oh, I definitely took a vitamin feeling. Mm -hmm. And they're easy on your stomach. Mm -hmm. And they're beautiful. I feel that I need, not that you choose vitamins for the aesthetics, but they are beautiful. I'm sorry. They're you like tell, lit in oil. Tell that it was designed by a woman. You can't. Oh my God. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> They're vitamins for skeptics by skeptics. That your average vitamin, you don't know where all the little ingredients. Little, I just, I just uh, belittled the ingredient. You don't know they where are the small. ingredients. Came. They are. They have to fit in your mouth. That's right. You don't know where they came from. With Ritual, you know exactly where each component of the vitamin came from. You can go on their website. You can read everything. Uh, yeah. You know, we we like to know all that information about the food we put in our body. We should also know it about the vitamins that we're putting in our body. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash Rosen to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash Rosen. I've never taken vitamins on a regular basis until then. Until the until ritual, never. I could just kiss you right now. <laughs> okay, uh, the the crisis. Oh, well, it's it's not really okay. A crisis. Well, I'm having a hard time dealing with what I would consider to be regular run of the mill Hollywood bullshit. Yeah, because 
everyone in Santa Fe is pretty straightforward and they do what they say and they're actually excited to meet you. And when they say they're going to do something, they actually do it. And there's a lot of artists there and there's a lot of people who are working on stuff that is really fulfilling for them. And so when I, I had a run of things at the beginning of the year that were promised to me by people I know. And then I was gas, I was gaslit past tense saying like, oh no, this is actually going to happen. And Mm. then literally saying, I never promised that. Oh God. So I, and, and by the way, if it had been before this, I'd be like, oh, well, more bullshit, but it is starting to really affect me because I don't think that that's right to do. I -hmm. don't think it's right. And my ethics are starting to get like really bothered by it. Even even though I have trained myself to be like, ah, that's how it is. Everyone says bullshit and then they don't mean it and blah, blah, blah. Now I'm like, no, you said you were going to do this thing. You have to do it. You said, don't say the thing then. Just say, I don't know. Or just say, we probably can't do that, but I'll ask. So now I'm like pressing people in meetings and stuff. Like I had a meeting last week and they were like, well, here's what you would need to do. You would need to write um, a pitch packet based on how you think you could adapt these characters to bring them up to up to date. It was like a readaptation of the show from a long time ago, and then and then if we like it, then we would bring you in for an interview, and then you'd basically be hired because we would just be repeating a, a property that already existed. And I was like, okay, so that's what you would have me do. You want me to do that? And they're like, absolutely. So I told my manager, I was like call them in three days and ask them what they want me to do. Mm. I already know, but just play dumb. And of course, three days later, they're like, oh, we have someone moving up the ranks. And I was like, I could have, I would have before. You had done all that work. Done all this fucking work. That happens all the fucking time. And I just think it's wrong. Moving up the ranks, meaning like they are already, they already have, they have someone internally that they're going to give the gig to. It was just like someone they'd already talked to was getting fast tracked or, or was, had already sent in the packet and they're like, Oh, this is good. Right. But they, if I hadn't double checked, you would have done all that work. And I've done that so yeah. many times, just gone home like a diligent little A plus, A plus student and be like, I'm going to do my work. That's what they want me to do. And then send the packet in. They're and like, they oh, don't even look at it because uh-uh. they, yeah. Yeah. I know it goes into a fucking hole. So I just don't have the appetite for it and I don't know what to do because I can't, I'm starting to become somebody I think might be either greatly rewarded in Hollywood or absolutely reviled, which means (laughs) when you're super honest with people and you're like, Hey, listen, I don't actually have time to do this. So you can't like you either, you mean this or you don't. Okay. Thanks. Have a nice day. Like some people are like, Oh, look at that Mark Moxie and gusto, you know, straight shooter. But then some people are like, what a bitch. So I don't know where this new attitude falls in the line <laughs> of my career, but I just don't. Someone I work with has been like, he's the same as he's always been, but now I'm like, fuck it, I'm firing him. I don't, I don't, I can't have it. It feels icky. Like doing play the, po- the game. Yeah. Doing the podcast with Brian is great because it's a, I have control over it. We have fun. It's a joy. Um, same with the other stuff I do, but it just everything else, the jobs feel like gross. They just feel gross. I have a couple of projects I'm really excited about, but once they're over, I don't know. Can you say what they are? Yeah, I'm adapting a book for a TV pitch. And then um, 
I'm attached to showrun basically PB's Playhouse for women, adult women. Oh my god! <laughs> and then, um, so hopefully, so we're waiting on. We've got some offers on that, and then wait, what? It, but it's is Pee Pee's not involved. No, it's right? not. That's a like, show that's like that. Yeah. It's like for adult women, female problems, and is it a talk show? Mm-mm. It's scripted with sketches. That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm really excited about about that. It's not my show. It's um, someone else's show that they brought me in to like oversee. And then, um, and then I'm working on a pilot for, um, FX. That's, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but I'm working for them. It's a, it's also a thing for Mm -hmm. hire. Those were actually things that they were, people came to me and they were like, are you excited about this? And I was like, yeah, let me get attached. And then it's everything else. That's just. We'll see how this book adaptation goes. That, that's that's all like a producer and I like working on that together. So that was also a book that she had read like in the 90s. And she was like, I love this book. And I read it. And I was like, this is really fun. Can you say what book it is? If you can't. I don't, don't know. Um, I don't know. So how does that? How do you? But I'll, fa- t- I'll tell you, it's, a, it's about makeup. Well, that's exciting. Because there's no fucking shows about makeup yeah. on TV. Yeah. About the cosmetics industry and what a. I have a whole chapter about it in my book, which is why I was drawn to do this because um, the makeup industry is super corrupt. And I talked about it on this show when I came on to talk mm-hmm. about my book that I have switched to only female run companies. Except for your perfume. I know. <laughs> I'm almost out of the lava though. Really? You're not going to go back? Mm-mm. Oh, wow. No. I, I feel I feel differently. <laughs> right. You're going to have to find some like essential oil from Santa Fe, right? Yeah. There's some perfumeries out there that I really like that are a little more like dusty <laughs> a little more my scene these mm-hmm, days mm-hmm. um but yeah so i'm excited about it. it's all stuff that's like in, in my wheelhouse it's just there was uh there's other stuff i mean i don't know who knows i also think sometimes when you pull away from this place people are like no 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 no, do this right. thing so i don't know what's gonna happen well i know being not that you ever are but like in this industry, being desperate for work certainly doesn't work. It's so awful. Yeah. If people know you want work, they will not give it to you. Yeah. And if you don't give a fuck, they're like, please right. do it. Right. Yeah. I, um, people think I don't live here anymore and I'm getting job offers. So, how do you, in a second, I want to know mm-hmm. how you balance the workload? the stuff you're doing out here with the constant travel. But first I need to talk about the real, real. Do you know the real, real? Oh yeah. The real, real is amazing. I own iconic luxury items at unreal values with the real, real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers. I was on there today trying to find a men's Gucci fanny pack for you or for, for me because they're they make them they're flatter for guys mm-hmm. oh they're nice really chic yeah i've been uh i've been i like to look at engagement rings <gasps> maybe i'm getting married again i don't know i just like to i it's, it's like it's something soothing yeah but then also they have there's some expensive watches i've got my eye on uh because uh Stuff is at up to 90% off retail on there. Shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more. New arrivals come in daily, and every single item is authenticated by the Real Reels team of experts. Okay, I'm going to admit something. The Real Real, this is not what I'm admitting. In fact, the Real Real employs over 100 brand authenticators, gemologists, horologists, and art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is 100% expert authenticated. 
I don't know what a horologist is. I was going to ask. <laughs> and I have said it in the past, and I've been hesitant to admit that I'm not exactly sure. So we're going to have Tony Cheesecake look it up. It's H-O-R-O-L. Because I would have guessed that it has something to do with like a gemologist, but there's a gemologist. So maybe it's gold. Oh, nope. It is the scientific study of time. Specifically, so horology involves measurement of time and the making of clocks. It's a watchmaker. Watches. I love that. Shop online, visit one of their original stores in Soho or West Hollywood, or their newest location at 870 Madison Avenue in New York. They also have luxury consignment offices in Chicago, Dallas, Miami, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. Uh, in-store customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. Shop in-store online or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. That's therealreal.com, promo code REAL, for 20% off select items. Okay. Yes. So back to the question of how you balance the workload with all the travel. Badly. I crash. Every like three or four weeks, I just crash for two days and I sleep. Mm. I don't really do a good job of taking care of myself. I have not exercised since I started all this, and I have actually been drinking every night and have been okay. trying to start doing a 30-day alcohol cleanse just to make sure that I'm not I, – I think I got into – I not think. I know I got in a really bad habit of just being like at the end of the night needing to turn off mm-hmm. and not being able to do it myself. So I drink half a bottle to a bottle of wine every single night. Wow. And then – I had a break for a couple of days and I just woke up and I was like, oh, I can go to sleep and I don't need this. You know, I was fine. It's a very difficult habit to break. Are you in therapy currently? Mm-mm. No, I, I had a therapist that I stopped going to because she said that maybe I should reconsider dating my husband because he had a brother with Down syndrome. Really? And I wow. thought that was really fucked up. And she also discouraged me from adopting because I thought for a long time I really wanted to, I didn't I didn't I never had like um desire to have kids naturally and I also have like a slew of hostile uterus problems mm-hmm. Hashimoto's disease heart shaped uterus a lot of stuff that would like make me really prone to miscarriages and she just was very weird about adopting she was like well you don't know what you're getting and blah 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 and I was just like this is a crazy. So it I stopped seems seeing so her. like over the line. It's interesting when I was beginning to do fertility stuff because I did IVF. The therapist I was seeing at the time was like, "Why not adoption?" And I'm like, "Okay, well now I don't feel comfortable here. Like That's, they really need to be careful with what they say. Well, just support your client, <laughs> yeah. and unless that you think they're harming themselves, right? Right. I need to get a new therapist. I need a new therapist. Um, I will admit I have gotten really deep into astrology, like real deep and so now i have a friend in santa fe who's a um intuitive reader and psychic and so i talk to her a lot my mother-in-law the desert flower witch um it's also very into astrology it's you guys are of a time yeah it's fun have you had your natal chart done Uh (laughs) uh-huh yep i have had um it all it's all i got a i got a picture of it on my desktop (laughs) Is it your desktop? <laughs> it's my, it's no, because then I, because I get obsessive and I'll be like, okay, uh, let's see where the, I don't really know how to read it yeah. still, but I know what the interpretation is. So I just look at it and go, because apparently I'm in like, I have some like weird thing that only millionaires have. 
And I was like, what? what? So I keep going, when is this going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> like a weird chart thing? A weird thing that's like only shows up with people who like, which might. Where did this info come from, though, that like, oh, you have a millionaire trait? My friend did my whole star chart, oh, okay. and she was like, birth, date, time, all that stuff. And she just, she, she's been doing it since high school. And then I confirmed with um, my new friend in Santa Fe, which, by the way. How did I, you make these friends? I need to know. Instagram. And I off. I'm sorry. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I would, I would search Santa Fe witch, Santa Fe <laughs> cheese, Santa Fe wine, Santa Fe, all this stuff. I would just go down rabbit holes. So the people, so, and, and by the way, what it did was I'm able, we're, we haven't really rolled this out with the rental property yet, but the rental property is called Casa Strega. It means witch house, like I mentioned earlier. It is 100% curated with a woman in mind. And we, all the art is of women. All the records are female artists. I'm not, you don't like really notice until you start noticing. Mm -hmm. The shampoo is Amika. It's like really good sulfate-free shampoo. I have shampoo for coily hair. I have a Dyson hair dryer. Oh my God. I have black washcloths for taking off your makeup. It is the place where as a woman, I yeah. want to stay. There's four different ways to make coffee. And... <laughs> <laughs> And it's like I a hope you change that Dyson to the wall because I feel like that might travel well, with someone. Airbnb oh, yeah. versus you if someone steals it. So okay. I was like, whatever. Yeah. And if someone takes a Dyson hairdryer, then they need it in their life. That's true. You know, um, says someone who can just easily replace it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really like I. So I started thinking about like as little as I take care of myself. I started thinking about like what would be my dream if I was going to go stay somewhere and I really wanted to be healing. Like what would I want other things to be, like what other facets? Not just like a hair dryer and conditioner and like a towel that dries my hair. What else? So basically, I went searching for women who could provide other services while you're staying at the Airbnb. So that's when I found um, Cassandra who does intuitive readings, and then we became friends. And I was like, hey. So basically, if you come stay at the at the house, I've curated a bunch of stuff. Like you can have a CSA box delivered. You can What's have a, like a like fresh vegetables and mm -hmm. seasoned vegetables and eggs and milk. And then you can have a you can have Cassandra come do a reading. You could have my friend Lauren, who does who went to art school, who makes these amazing cheese plates, and they're just the most amazing delicious nothing like this anywhere else i've seen so i've like collected these cool women who are also now part of the compound they're like part of the molecular build of this place that's so cool where how does your husband feel about all of this he okay the reason we're doing costs uh we're doing studio salito is because he was like i'm all for this <laughs> Lady stuff. I'm all for this vagina house. <laughs> but then when the next one has to be something different. I was like, of course, we're not going to just do like full witches cottages out yeah. here. So the next one is going to be our dog friendly unit. So it'll be a little more neutral and stuff. And then, but still have a theme and we'll, like all the art that we're, we, we just, we call ourselves the junk rats. And by the way, we is me, my husband and my friend Bella, who basically kicked this whole thing off. She's a visual artist and um, esthetician a big esthetician in Austin. And so she's got this like balance of like what's healing, what's good. She knows everything that's happening in the, in the natural beauty world. And then also like has been pushing us with the color. Like we, I would never have painted that place, that color or picked out that tile, but she just was like, what about this? And then we, it just like exploded us into ideas like, mm -hmm. Oh, we could do this. Oh, we could. So she has really been so, 
I mean, it's just, she's a third of the process. You guys have an Instagram account, yeah. right? Remind me what it is. Um, XXY Design Society, which is, you know, our Two ladies and a dude. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the transformation that you've undergone from, Oh, okay. how, uh, so no, go ahead. It's just like the Casa Strega, murder cabin yeah. to thriving butterfly, <laughs> colorful butterfly. Uh, does your husband feel like you've changed? Is there any sort of like, you're, who are you now? You're changing. He feels differently too. Really? I, I mean, that's truly, so great that it's happened to both of you. You have to, if you, if you don't grow together yeah. in the same way, it's very dangerous for a relationship, but he's like, he, he, we've both been like, how do we be out here more? How, mm. how can we? do this thing. And you know, we're both, our parents are old. They're old and we're not going to have that much time with them. And my friend, my other friend, Aaron, who was very direct with me when my dad was sick, she was like, please spend every second you can with him because I didn't do that when my dad was sick and I miss him every single day. So you oh, have God. to have those memories when they're older or you're, you're just going to feel really bad. So I've been doing it. I took her advice. I was like, I got to listen. And I just want to be out there as much as possible. My dad is like joking. So he and my brother-in-law, Mickey, um, call each other. They call themselves the zucchini boys <laughs> and they grow zucchini and they planted zucchini and like, they have like a handshake and it's That's adorable so out there. It's adorable and it's pure and it's nice and it's c calm and it's loving. There's so much love on that property. And we cultivated that and it's and it's really nice to dip into and get like a good um get dose of it and then come back to LA and then slowly have it erode over the course <laughs> of a couple of weeks and then go back and fill back yeah. up like i want that life i never want to not live in LA some of the time i need this stuff here mm -hmm. i need this but i just want to have a balance between the two and i want everyone to be stable and calm and just like Everybody to be okay. That's it. Was that hard having guest hosts step in on Throwing Shade? It was at first, yeah. I felt very proprietary because, mm -hmm. but Brian was so supportive. He he was just like, "What do we need to do to make this happen?" Because we were doing, we did a Skype episode and it didn't sound good, and I was freaking out because I didn't know when I was going to be able to come back to LA, and so, um. Eliza Skinner stepped in like she was amazing and then Brian had to go do some family stuff and Jeffrey Self stepped in it was really it doesn't feel like I was never worried like oh I'll be replaced mm. but it was so nice to also you know it was great to be in Houston listen to the show and like not feel so alone mm -hmm. just hearing it and hearing Eliza do such a good job it was really um it was really nice and you know what else helped was um LA podcast, which is a show, it's a show just about LA stuff and ordinances in town and, <laughs> you know, what's happening with the Tesla tunnel. And I just would listen to it and I would just like cry because I was like, oh, that's my home and I can go back there some one day. Yeah. I don't have to be, I have a mixed relationship with Houston, but I will say I am very glad that I never have to go back. It's a very triggering place for me. Yeah. It's not health, It's not good for me to be there. And so selfishly, I'm glad I moved my dad out of there so I never have to go back. Are you mad at the doctors that misdiagnosed? Absolutely. And I wrote a massive letter to them saying, telling them what they did and also threatening them mm -hmm. because 
I can't like sue Memorial Hermann Hospital, but I can say their name on this podcast and I tell everyone about it. And look, it is a, my dad was incapacitated for two weeks. There's no reason he couldn't have been in there doing a test. Yeah. And an ENT doctor saw him. So, so they discharged him and he had a catheter, couldn't breathe, had a inhaler, which mattered fuck all because he couldn't get any air in. Right. And then they, made him go home to his own apartment upstairs no nursing care nothing and so then you were were you at a doctor's appointment when you saw him lose his ability to breathe yes i flew back like maybe two or three days after he was out of the hospital so he was okay for two or three days and then like the second day we were at a general appointment at the my dad's a veteran so we were at the va and they I was begging them. I was like, I think you need, my dad lost 50 pounds. Wow. And I said, I really think you need to admit him. And they were like, this is the VA in Houston. They're very overwhelmed. And they were like, we don't even have beds and stuff. So the fact that he collapsed like he did, as scary as it must have been for him, which thank God he doesn't remember any of it. um, That's the only reason he got in it that day is because he had an emergency. Right. And then they instantly had a bed for him. They started figuring out what surgeries they need to do. I mean, he, my dad has a trach. Mm-hmm. He can whisper talk, but he's part of his vocal cords are gone. Yeah. And, um, but okay. New Mexico coincidences, the place where I go thrift shopping, this place called double take, which has amazing consignment stuff. One of the ladies who I befriended there, her name's Nancy. Hi, Nancy. She doesn't listen to, she doesn't listen to the internet, but, um, she, I was telling her, she was like, wait, tell me what your dad have, had again. And I was like, oh, he had he had throat cancer and he had a tracheotomy. And she was like, is it forever? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, it's not. My brother had the same surgery. Here's the name of the doctor in Boston who actually fixes trach um, uh, holes. He's the only one in the country. Wow. Call him. So the fact that like she, I, she knows yeah. this doctor and like stuff like that happens all the time. So now I have a guy who can like fix my dad's throat. And he doesn't have to walk around. He doesn't. He, cause he has to replace it. Mm-hmm. It's a gnarly thing to watch. Cause he has he, to replace what the he takes the trach out. So what? So what is a trach? It's okay. Is so it like a little. Yeah, you tell me. It's a hole in the throat mm-hmm. that um, allows him to get air through his throat and not his mouth. Got it. So he takes out the whole thing, and it's like a plastic thing that goes down into his throat. Oh. So he takes it out, throws it away every night. Oh, puts so it's a disposable. new one in. Yow. Cleans it out, puts a little filter on it. Oh, man. And he does it himself. It's so does gnarly. he still have the tumor? Like, were they able to remove it? It's or? all out. Yeah. Good. He he basically... Oh, and then there was a whole other thing where the doctors in... A doctor in Albuquerque at the VA basically diagnosed him as having stage four bladder cancer the first day he saw him. And I was like, hey, dude, why don't you fucking take a chill pill for a second and <laughs> yeah. let's like do some tests before you just right. say like my dad's dying again. Right. He was supposed to have his bladder removed, his prostate and his urethra. And last minute, oh this young God. female doctor stepped in and was like, Hey, I think this is too aggressive. And so she's like, we don't even know what's going on down there. It could be a reaction to sometimes radiology will give mm-hmm. you stuff that looks like cancer. Right. He just went in last week and he, doesn't have fucking cancer oh, in his bladder. God they didn't do that surgery. Crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. I I have a really good general practitioner in, in in LA and I was like, hey man, what can I do? And he's like, look, there's this thing called doctor burnout. 
you get to a point where you've seen this so many, so especially when you specialize, you see this so many times and you just take radical measures because you just want it done. Because mm-hmm. you don't, especially when you've been in it, the game for a while. And he was like, so just keep that in mind and also be very measured when you ask questions and just make sure that you're being, inf- you're, you ask these, que- he gave me some questions to ask. He wasn't, he didn't diagnose my dad, but he was like, try these things. And then, you know, we asked enough questions and we thankfully had this lady who intervened, but Oh, it's such a mess. I, they they simultaneously saved my dad's life, but also it was really complicated to get this Sounds stuff done. Really exhausting for you. It was. I feel very. I don't think I've recovered. Yeah. I don't really. I don't think I have. You probably have some PTSD. Yeah, I get very like I, my blood pressure definitely goes up when like my dad calls. Mm-hmm. I get freaked mm-hmm. out and uh, I'm very quick to panic attacks. Right. Oh, no. I think it'll subside maybe. But the thing I was worried about was, am I going to be addicted to this chaos? Oh. Am I not going to know what to do with my life when everything slows down? Right. Like returning home from war. Yeah. And what do you think? I think it's going to be really hard. I think it's going to be really hard. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I haven't been able to like go back to yoga because I don't think I I the idea of being that still and quiet freaks me out. Mm. Why? I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like I should be doing something. Mm-hmm. There's somebody who needs me or there's something I need to be doing. Can I've you, like overcorrected the responsibility gene or Are you reaction. afraid of what you'll feel if you let yourself feel? Oh, like relaxed or upset? Mm-hmm. Probably. Or like what'll come into your mind? I I, I haven't really cried. I cried in the hospital for sure, but like my, I, I was really emotional when my dad got in the ER and my sister came and she was just like a wall. And I was like, okay, so I can't do this here because it's just me crying, you know? Yeah. That's her process and that's fine, but like I couldn't do any of that stuff Mm -hmm. i watched so much rupaul's drag race (laughs) just to like check out you know and to watch drag queens be mean to each other it was really (laughs) great yeah i mean i think sometimes when you're in the midst of it which to a degree you still are just for survival you do kind of steal yourself and it's like all the feelings will come in time but Maybe I don't. I don't know. Then again, I think it's also like valuable to process during trauma too. So, I definitely was never like I'm okay. Everything's fine. I was definitely saying this is really hard. But I was doing a thing. I was just like, we just have to do it. We have to do it. I don't know. And what's weird is that it was really stressful. And my husband and I like really didn't fight at all. We were just so on the same team mm-hmm. and just getting it done. So maybe that was something that was actually good about this because, you know, couples bicker. Yeah. It's what happens. But when you have real problems and you don't do that, that's a really good thing to know that's, that you yeah. guys can do that together. Are, yeah. It's a very strong relationship. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gibson. <laughs> was I sad enough? <laughs> <laughs> you could have been sadder. You didn't shed any tears, which I find disappointing. So no, I did well up a couple of times. I saw. But then I was like, mm, do I want to? 
Do I want to cry now? <laughs> Look at you in command of your emotions. <laughs> Not good. Watch me. You, you'll come out an hour later outside of your house and I'll just be snotting into my mouth. <laughs> um, thank you so much. I have some questions that people send in on Patreon and I'm going to do those in a special Patreon bonus right after this. Um, but we didn't even... We didn't even get into groceries. Can you just briefly tell me about groceries? Okay, groceries is the most joyful, non-political, non-emotional dive into all the grocery stores. Basically in LA right now, but we're going to start traveling for tours, so we're going to start covering other ones. Essentially, if you want to know the history of Whole Foods and how much I hate the one in West Hollywood, but who my favorite cashier is, <laughs> you can, or if you want to know what the best olive oil is, yeah. Brian has your, your recommendation. I did not know that you don't want to get olive oil from Italy or Greece because it might have other oils in it. Oh, yeah. And the, it, the Italian olive oil cartel is no joke. Yeah, I had no idea about this. No joke. So um, if it's, it's free on our Throwing Shade feed. If you want to get a taste, it is behind a paywall on Stitcher Premium for the rest of them. But I will say it is definitely a solve. Salve? What do people say? Salve. salve. I, I think a salve. Salve. A balm. It's a balm. <laughs> if you're unguent. <laughs> if you want something that is absolutely neutral and not political and not and just a celebration of cotton candy grapes and <laughs> sweet melons and tomato season with some saltiness to it. And we're still sarcastic it's, yeah, and it's fun. fun and stuff. But yeah, check it out. Uh, it's and just then, called Groceries. I love it. And tell me what History of the Sequel is. History of the Sequel is me and a co- co-host who's a teen, uh, female teen, who I basically teach her about a woman who's been cruelly erased by history and we discuss her and talk about all the amazing things she did it's a great way to learn about history through the lens of an individual and not like necessarily like a movement or a moment or a war i love it thank you so much um tell everyone where they can find you i mean i just had you do plugs but plug whatever you'd like to. oh yeah my instagram is at gibblertron i'm not on facebook anymore i deleted it smart and same with twitter and then my you're not on twitter or no you are you're gibblertron yeah got it and then um you can buy my book at AaronGibson.com or Feminasty.com. That's the name of the book. It's coming out in paperback in a mm, month, so yay. you'll be able to buy it cheaper. But it won't be as good as a weapon. The paperback, right. you can't hit people as hard with no. them on who disagree with you. That's right. Keep That's that the only mind. bummer. And all the rest of the stuff is on Stitcher. And then, you know, just uh, I my DMs are open. If you want to tell me about how you wished your parent died... <laughs> Come at me. Yeah. Or if yeah. you're going to be in Santa Fe and want to be your friend. Yeah. If you live in Santa Fe, call me. And then we're going to be on tour. We're just, we're doing a light tour this year because my emotional capacity is at zero, <laughs> but we're going to be in London in September um, on the 14th. And then we're going to do a show in DC and New York on 11, uh, November 8th and 9th. And then I'm going to enjoy Christmas this year with a family who's healthy. Good. Yeah. Uh, I'm at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Check out my other podcast, Childish. And if you like what you're hearing, download, subscribe, tell a friend, all that stuff. AllisonRosen.com for everything else. Uh, and Patreon. We're going to do a, a bonus episode. So if you need more of this, you need, we're going to do a little bonus segment. Um, you need to uh, check that out. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Tony Cheesecake. Where might we find you? I forgot already. <laughs> uh, on the docks. <laughs> <laughs> at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Bizarre Albums, new episodes every Tuesday. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we
gotta go 